a Pentecostal pastor in a modest congregation on the outskirts of San Francisco, has received what he believes to be a message from God. During a moment of prayer on the top of a eucalyptus-covered hill, God has asked Pastor Richard Gazowski to make an epic, biblical science fiction film, the cost of which will be upwards of $100 million, involving untrained actors and an untrained staff. Gazowski then turns to his congregation and transforms it into a fully functioning film studio. He forms WYSIWYG Productions. What you see is what you get, and goes on to try and make the film. With the financial and emotional support of his congregation and his family, Gazowski attempts to make his film Gravity, The Shadow of Joseph, continuously reminding his staff that there's only one audience member they have to think of, God. Young filmmaker Mike Jacobs learns of this story and decides to make a documentary of the making of Gravity. In a nearly cinema verite style, we do hear one of his questions in the film, but just one. He follows Gazowski, his family, the crew, and slew of actors through San Francisco parking lots and Italian side streets, observing the creation of Gravity. What at first was going to be a film about filmmaking becomes a story about the limits or limitlessness of faith and how far it can take you. It also reveals the inner workings of Gazowski, a charismatic man whose dreams seem to be, well, out of reach with reality. My name is Tani Katenjin. This is Sight Unseen, a weekly program that speaks with artists of all different mediums to uncover the unseen aspects of their work and exploring the ways in which they see the world. This week, the voice of Mike Jacobs, speaking about his film, Audience of One. Here, I mentioned to him how unsettled I felt after seeing the film, and I wonder how he felt as he was creating Audience of One. But before we hear his response to that, take a listen to the trailer. Stay tuned for that and more on this week's Sight Unseen. childhood, I lived a life that was filled with childhood fantasies. Maybe that's one reason why God's given me the the gift of storytelling. I believe God has given us a vision that's been very clear, and now we're seeing that vision fulfilled before our very eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, come on. That's what I'm saying, we've got to believe. If we don't believe it's that big vision, it's that dream, if you ask me, this was the message of Christ. It was to dream big. Roll camera. Step up. Camera rolling. Action. Whoa, dude, man. What's going on here? We're making a film that on a film scale is the best in the industry. The costumes are all custom made. The set, we got a beautiful town. Our actors are great. Everything is perfect. You almost got it. You know, I mean, it's not really like I'm hired because they're not paying me, you know, but whatever. It's fun. It's making movies. Where have you been? It's a conspiracy by aliens. Take over the earth. They're going to turn us into flies, you know, little buzzing things. And before you know it, you're just a, a juicy little spot on the wall. Everything in this movie we're trying to make it to be something that you never have seen before. I would like a smoking floor. I would like dust coming out of their feet. You, you're familiar with the fractals, the science of uh, chaos? Roll camera! Camera rolling! And action! 
I would say, by and large, my experiences have been overwhelmingly positive. That being said, there were plenty of times where I would leave the church after shooting and just feel uncomfortable. You know, it's, it's hard to precisely articulate what is uncomfortable feeling about the experience. You know, in certain cases, it was just this, like, untapped raw emotion that, that I could never fully understand. At times, it was just this belief in something that just didn't make any sense to me. And, and at times, it was just this in, the intensity of their community um, that just uh, it was exhausting and, you know, always lingered for me. And, and then it happened again in the edit. And then it happens again when I sit through it. I mean, you know, it, it, <laughs> it absolutely is a, is a difficult film in, in, the, in those ways. You know, I, I feel like it's got enough light moments and comedic elements um, that a lot of people just find it really funny and entertaining. But I totally understand the other side of it that, like, you know, there's some disturbing stuff going on there. So let's, let's start with what I'm sure many people ask how you found out about this story. Just to give a little bit of background, there's a Pentecostal minister pastor who feels like he's gotten a message from God to make an epic science fiction film <laughs> um, with Joseph as a main character, uh, part of which is going to be filmed in Italy. And the budget for this is going to be upwards of $100 million. So that's the message that he gets, and he convinces his congregation to support him th- Support him in this. He convinces his family to support him as well. So how did you find out about it? Are you, are you a... a Pentecostal follower? No. Okay, so how did you find out? Um, I, I, I first read about the church and their filmmaking uh, ambitions in an article in the SF Weekly. And, you know, the article just immediately fascinated me that there was this group of people in San Francisco trying to make this movie. Um, and it combined the, the elements of, you know, filmmaking aspirations with faith. 
And I just thought right away that if, if I could get access to this world, it would be a really, really fascinating story to tell. Um, and so I, I spoke to the woman who wrote the article, and she said, you know, you should just go to a church service and, and just introduce yourself to the, to, to the pastor. They're extremely welcoming, and I'm sure they'll love to have you on board. And she was absolutely right. I mean, I, I introduced myself to the minister after the first time I ever went to the church, and I said, you know, fully as transparent as I could be, saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I was raised Jewish. I'm not necessarily interested in joining your congregation or joining your film production, but I'd love to make sort of an observational documentary about you. And he said, sure, come, you know, come on board. And, and it took a couple of weeks after that to sort of establish um, a, a, a relationship where I could, you know, be somewhat invisible. That took a little bit of time. But before I knew it, I was just there enough that I was kind of blending into the background and getting great footage. And, and within weeks, they were on their way to Italy. And so I figured, you know, I'll just go for it. This is There's a film here. You know, I always find it interesting when these um, documentaries, when these sorts of documentaries become not critical of their subject, but they definitely... Um, are, they're not reverential. And I'm, to what extent did you think that that was going to happen at the beginning? Did you, did, was that something that you anticipated you would be observing something that seems quite dysfunctional? I mean, I think, you know, initially I, I set a very specific goal for myself in my, in my approach. And my, my approach was to always be observational and as non-judgmental as possible. And what helped in achieving that was that because I made the film um, really as a one-man band, and by that I mean I was responsible for shooting and the sound, that I was so focused on making sure I was getting good-looking content and good-sounding content that I wasn't sort of contextualizing what was going on around me, and therefore it, it was easier for me not to make judgments and you know, laugh or bite my tongue when things were completely different to how I would do something or just seemed so silly or, or hard to understand. I was really just so focused on making sure I got the content and it was going to look and sound good that it wasn't really until the edit that it became a challenge to address how we're going to treat these people. Is it going to be a celebration? Is it going to be an exploitation? I feel like it's a bit of both. Um, and I feel like it's it's treads right in the middle of that, which is, I think, hard for some people. And maybe that's what, what makes it somewhat uncomfortable because really liberal atheist people want their uh, belief systems reinforced and they just want me to just sort of sell this guy down the river. And then, you know, Christians on the other side say like, you know, I wish you didn't make it so funny, like, you know, you're just making fun of us the whole time. But but to me, that's actually su successful that I was able to, um, it's a bit of a cop-out, I realize that, but, but, but it was intentional, I guess I could say. You know, I got tremendously lucky that people see it that way and that um, enough happened in a condensed period of time that you go on this journey and before you know it, hopefully you're just sort of caught up in trying to figure out what's going on and just sort of enjoying the ride, so to speak. But, um, but I was very consciously aware of trying to leave it up to the audience to decide how they ultimately feel about this guy. And then I think you did a great job of that. I totally agree. I don't think it's a cop-out. I think you, you had a goal set and you, you fulfilled that goal. So the pastor wants to make this film, but it just doesn't happen. So tell me when you knew that that was, that was where it was headed. I mean, I think that the, from the first day I walked into the church and this guy says they're going to make this, you know, huge budget Hollywood-style epic movie just using the resources from the church and just using his congregation as the staff and the talent, um, I mean, I knew right away that they weren't going to make the film that he had in his mind. 
But I did think that they would make something. I did think that even if they had to scale back their vision and scale back his ambitions and just deal with the practical realities of filmmaking, um, that, that they would ultimately come up with something. Um, but by the time we got to Italy, and it was just this train wreck and, you know, cringeworthy train wreck day after day, I realized, like, wow, this this is going far worse than I had even imagined. Yet at the same time, I'm, I'm you know, also part of me is really excited and because I'm getting like golden material of like really funny, ridiculous stuff happening. Um, so it, you know, it, was, it was a bit of, uh, you know, feeling bad for them, but also feeling happy for myself that I was ha getting this great footage. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think even when they came back from Italy and they really weren't making this film, I had to sort of adapt to that. And, and my film became less about filmmaking um, and this guy's vision and really more of a character study of, of this guy and, and, you know, how far do you take faith when, you know, practical reality is just slapping you in the face. And, and that was a challenge for me to initially uh, take the film in that direction, both while shooting and editing. Um, like, how do we wrap our film around, you know, the fact that they're not really making a film anymore and that I'm not even sure they want to make a film anymore. It just seemed like everything had come to such a halt after Italy. So um, it became, you know, it, it became something that we worked hard to build a story around them not making a film in, in the second and third act of, of the documentary. Um, but ultimately, it, that's what was. So it's what we had to shoot. So you initially thought you were going to be making a film about filmmaking, not about the extremism of, a, of faith. Yeah, I was far more excited uh, about their filmmaking elements and, and their desire to, to make this, you know, biblical sci-fi movie. It just sounded so funny to me. And I figured, like, you know, even if he doesn't make the movie that's in his mind, they'll make this ridiculously cool movie that'll probably have, like, a cult following, you know, because it's so bizarre, it's so out there. It's so non-traditional, even for Christian filmmaking. It's way, way, it's, like, much more like independent filmmaking, really, where they're just sort of doing whatever they can to make their movie. And unfortunately, they don't succeed. But I was far more interested in, in the filmmaking element, especially right at the beginning, because what filmmaking does for my documentaries, it gives me so much great material to cut with. Lights, colors, sounds, quick moving decisions, you know, all that kind of, you know, great action and, and, and uh, activity going on. I thought it would make for a very entertaining documentary. Um, but then it, it did evolve more into a documentary about faith in and of itself, which is a harder thing to articulate visually. But like I said, I got lucky because they go and they take over Treasure Island and then they go to Las Vegas and they go down to, Pe you know, Pebble Beach and they pray and then, you know, people start leaving when things aren't going well. And so I got, you know, I was able to, to sort of make that as much a part of the story and, and, and you know, adapt to the, to the idea of like faith pulling them through rather than like this ridiculous story of filmmaking. There was a lot of material to work with, particularly with the Pentecostal faith, because there's a lot of emotion involved. There's crying. There's speaking in tongues. There's you can really capture that extremism. Yeah. Um, had you ever witnessed anything like that in, in person yourself? No, I hadn't. I had never seen a celebration like that ever before. I think that's something that I acknowledge right away. Like I said, I was far more excited about the fact that they were making a, a film and such an ambitious one in scope. But every time you're at that church, it's a shooting gallery. I mean, there's just so much singing and dancing and music. Like you said, that, you know, the, the way that they pray is, is, is very engaging. It's very entertaining. And to the outsider, it's fascinating. Um, 
And I, I surely had never seen anything like it. And, it. and it was always there. I mean, they go to Italy and they're about to roll cameras and they do this prayer. And it's just like, wow, they're really, they, they really do believe this stuff. They really feel it. And they really want you know, the spirit of God to be in their filmmaking. As much as I don't subscribe to that belief system, um, it was always interesting to see uh, taking shape. Uh, now, when you decided to make films in your own personal life, was it going to be documentaries, or did you know what you wanted to do? And uh, do you recall any time in your own life where you had a huge ambition that didn't come to fruition, uh, much like the main character in your film does and your documentary does? I don't think I've, I don't think I'll ever be as as ambitious as that guy. Um, <laughs> Um, but that isn't to say that, you know, like all of us, you want something to happen, whether you pray for it or just believe in it or believe in yourself or, or rely on others, and then it doesn't work out. I mean, I think that that's part of the human experience. And that's what I hope is relatable about the documentary is even if you're so different from this guy in so many ways, you can't help but like admire the fact that he's just trying to do something different on his own independently and just ignore all the critics and just make something. And, and unfortunately, he fails. So it's sort of like, you know, and, and most people say like, well, of course, man, like you were like way out of scope from day one. Um, but at the same time, I really wanted people to give him the benefit of the doubt because I want people to give me the benefit of the doubt. You know, I mean, here I am making really my first independent film and I'm going through a similar process as he is. I'm trying to get people to believe in me. I'm trying to get people to give me money to make my film. You know, I'm trying to, you know, hopefully get a career out of it or wh whatever will come from the benefits of, su of success in this field. You know, I'm, I've got the same ideas and ambitions. I mean, luckily, you know, when his film is becoming a disaster, my film is getting probably stronger. And so it was, again, this like mix of feeling kind of excited because I was really getting great content, um, but but feeling bad for him because like here here's another independent filmmaker having you know everything that could go wrong go wrong. Well, the thing I think that's um, slightly different about you is that um, <laughs> we come to question uh, the main character's sanity. I mean, r really, like in a very profound, deep way, not kind of like oh wow he's so crazy, but like that there, there, there's something. Um, actually mentally unstable there. And uh, I mean, that I, that's probably the most unsettling part of the film. It's not so much that um, someone's dreams haven't been, haven't been realized, but that, that there's, there's a streak of insanity there. Yeah. I mean, he's, a, he's a complicated and intense dude. And, uh, and it was, it was always hard to, I mean, I tell people all the time, like, after spending, you know, a year or two making the film and a year promoting the film, you know, am I any closer to understanding this guy than I was when I started? No way. If anything, I'm like further away from understanding him. He, he's an extremely complicated guy. And a lot of it does come from, you know, this question of, of sanity and delusion mixing with, you know, religion and ambitious filmmaking. There's a lot of ingredients there that make it hard to sort of like pin him down and like figure out like what is really driving him. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's really intense towards the end of the documentary. I realized that, um, especially w even when I revisit the film now and I watch that final scene, it's just so intense um, to watch. And it is so uncomfortable. And you really do feel like you've you've watched this guy like who's probably suffering from some, you know, mental, you know, lapse or, or something that, you know, he could be diagnosed in a certain way as something. I, I'm not a professional in that field, so I don't know how he would be diagnosed. But um, but there's clearly something there that has gone haywire in his in his mind. And and here he is, this responsible, charismatic leader of the church, his family, and as a filmmaker. And there's, you know, now, you know, how many 
how many sane filmmakers are out, out there? You know, that's, that's another question is, you know, just how far do you go? But I think he, he goes too far. I think that he, he definitely is a visionary in his own right. And, and part of that maybe comes from, um, if, if you want to call it that, that mental delusion or that mental illness. He takes it maybe too far, though, and that's why it just it goes too far for people. Um, but I know plenty of talented filmmakers who are, who are a bit off, <laughs> myself included. <laughs> well, you are kindly hesitant to, um, to uh, I don't know, to demonize this guy, and I don't, I don't think he deserves to be. I, I agree. But it's not just that he's ambitious with his film, and I don't want to totally give it away, but it's that he has these ideas of doing all kinds of other things that I think that's when you kind of realize, wow, there's a real breakdown in you know, mental stability here. It's so often that, those, that that is coupled with religion. I mean, it's, it's, it's frighteningly often that that's coupled with religion in documentaries. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you expect that at all as... as um, that this would kind of be a study of the disintegration of the human mind? No, not, not that specifically. I mean, I, you know, I, th- I always thought there was potential there for an incredible character study and an incredible breakdown of, of a creative process and, an, and a breakdown of, of this guy's ambitions and his ideas to the point where it goes so far like it does in that final scene. I mean, that's where it just goes too far. And, and that's an important part of the documentary and I'm glad it's in there because without that I don't think people realize just how extreme it's gone for him and it's even he who says it himself and I'm so thankful that he did he says it's either God or I'm crazy and in a certain way that's just a very simplified way of looking at it you know you either believe in this guy and subscribe to the ridiculous ideas that he has and therefore attribute it to a matter of faith or you just think he's crazy. And and that I leave up to my audiences. I mean, he's the one who says that. That's what I'm thinking. It's like, you know, in that instance, I, I, I don't believe in, in any of those things that he's talking about towards the end of the documentary. And, but all these people around me as I'm filming are cheering. And so I'm like, well, they're choosing to believe. And so if they're choosing to believe, they should have the benefit of the doubt and be able to, you know, I caution them. And hopefully my documentary serves as caution to those people who are, who are just being led by faith and faith alone in that circumstance. Um, but then he, he gives a little something to the rest of us saying, like, or I'm crazy. And all of us are nodding our heads saying, like, you're darn right. You know, like, <laughs> I think that's, that's the way that I choose to look at that is that, um, you know, you either subscribe to matters of faith, no matter how extreme they are, just because, you know, to a certain extent, the belief in God is has an absurdity to it. So whether you're choosing to believe in, in more practical elements of, of God and the hand of God, or really extreme elements like he's laying out in front of his congregation, it's still a matter of this absurd belief in something. Or it's that, like, this guy's freaking nuts. Can we say that? Okay. <laughs> Tell me some more about the reactions that you've gotten. I mean, you said that you've gotten some reactions from good friends, but some, some of the reactions that you've gotten from just people that you don't really know... Um, what have they said about what have they said about the film? I mean, it's been a mix. You know, it, some people are just like, "God, that guy's so crazy." It was like I'm cringing the whole time, and then some people are like, "That is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen." You know, and it's and it's great to have that mix because I I feel the same way. I mean, there are moments where, 
you're just laughing because of the ridic ridiculousness. You're laughing because you can relate because you've tried to do something in your own life that just didn't work out and it was like a train wreck and Murphy's Law and all that stuff. Um, but then you're, you're sort of cringing at the same time um, and you're uncomfortable at the same time with the level of of e emotion uh, that comes from these people and the depths of their belief in in this ridiculously challenging idea. And, I, and I'm really happy that, that it reaches different audiences in different ways. I mean, to me, I get, I, you know, I'm lucky enough that people have, have seen both and, and have found, you know, both viewing experiences to be, to be equally real for them. Um, and, and to me, it, it, ultimately, it is a mix. It is a mix of those both. It, it's, it's a one nutty ride, but it's also really funny and intense. And, and, you know, while I was making the film, that was in my mind, like, this is going to be one funny, nutty and intense ride. And so, you know, when people come out of it expressing that, it's, it's extremely flattering and assuring. And, and, and I mean, most importantly, just the response from the festival circuit was, was, overwhelmingly positive and so I just it felt great right away that like people just got what I was trying to do um, and, and got the position that I chose to take in my creative approach and in my observational approach and that a lot of people even if they disagree with him respect the fact that I was as fair as I could be and and is and and respect the fact that I gave him the benefit of the doubt from from the start even when most people who are seeing the documentary also know in the first five minutes that like this isn't going to go well <laughs> you know like uh oh um, that's I think that's great that, that those people chose to stay with the film and give him the benefit of the doubt even of course their their judgment is saying like oh my god this guy's way in over his head before they've even started um, I think that's okay because you just still you know hopefully if you choose to just go on this ride with him and stay with the documentary I, I hope it's rewarding enough and like I said, I got so lucky that all these incredible narrative elements took place in a pretty condensed period of time. Uh, you know, they go off to Italy and then they took over this soundstage at Treasure Island and then they, you know, travel to Las Vegas and then there's this final scene that's just so out of this world that, you know, it, it really helped my narrative and it helps sort of keep my audiences engaged, you know, because a lot of documentaries, you know, unfortunately are a little boring. I, I hate to say it, but it's true. And, and you know, I look at my my own film now, and I'm like, oh no, it's too long. But but that said, I mean, it you know, it, it it's great that I I got so uh, lucky that just there's so many great moments were taking place in a short period of time, and there were so many wonderful characters to keep audiences engaged, and and a, and a mix of sort of comedy and tragedy. I didn't think it was boring at all. <laughs> Talking about getting great characters, there's another character. Um, he he comments on how when he first, I think when he first came into the church. Um, the pastor said, I, you know, you look like you'd be great for film. And he had starred, I think, in a high school movie as a tree or something or, or some sort of non-speaking character, but had done a really great job. Could you talk a little bit about him as well? Daniel, he's he's one of my other favorite characters. I mean, he 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 always gets a laugh every time he's on screen. In part, just because he has such a very funny voice and a ridiculous demeanor, um, and such a positive attitude. And he's one of these guys that like he doesn't he he doesn't care if they're making, you know, a film in the parking lot or over in Italy, or they're making a futuristic sci-fi movie, or if he gets to like you said, be a tree standing on stage. I mean, this guy just wants to perform and be a part of the church scene and be in their performances. And he's a wonderful character, and he adds so much great comedic value. 
Um, and, and he's one of those guys, too. He's a full insider. I mean, he really is a part of the congregation, but he's another one of these guys that sort of comes and goes from the church, and you never know when he's going to be there. And of course, every time I saw him, like Mike, I ran straight over to him to record because I knew he was going to say something funny. Um, but, you know, after Italy, he sort of disappeared. Um, and, and, you know, you, you try and track him down, you hope he shows back up. But that's sort of the nature of, of their church and that organization is people come and go a lot because they have jobs where they need to make money and they can't work on the film because they have things in their personal life. But this church remains this sort of like, you know, uh, it, it, it always, the doors are always open there for people to come and go and help out when they can. Did any part of you miss going to the church after you finished filming? I mean, were you like, oh, I miss my com- a community there or anything that you missed about it? No, no, I was so exhausted um, after spending so much time sort of exploring this world that was so foreign to me and this world that was so different from my everyday life and, and, and a community that was so different from my friends and family that, you know, I was really just uh, exhausted by the experience that I really did need a break. Um, that being said, I still maintain positive relationships with a lot of people in the congregation and I, you know, check back in with them every once in a while and sort of keep tabs on each other and they've been very supportive of the documentary as unflattering uh, of a portrait as it is. Um, and I feel grateful for that. Um, but, uh, but no, I think um, my, my time at that church has come to an end and, and that chapter of my life is, is over. Um, you know, I think down the line I'll always want to, you know, years from now check back in on them and I'll always keep tabs on, on what they're up to because it, it was such a, a powerful part of my life and such a, a large part of my life for such a long period of time. So, um, but I'm forever grateful. I will always be forever grateful for the access that they gave me, for the vulnerability that they showed, uh, for their willingness to allow a stranger to record their world and, and, and then take, take that out into a world so different from theirs and bring it into the secular world that um, I, I have to be forever grateful as, as complicated as, as it sounds and as complicated as the relationship was at times. Um, you know, I, I owe them so much for, for just allowing them, uh, allowing me to film. Yeah, and I guess you'll probably always remember it because it's your first, you know, it's your first film. I mean, this absolutely. is it. This is the beginning of your career. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, you never forget your first time. And, and this, this, this has all those ingredients of such an amazing first time experience. And uh, yeah, just a combination of luck and timing and comedy and cringeworthy moments and just it's so chock full of so many rich experiences with the cameras on and off for me and and really yeah this really was my 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 baby my first film and it's um it it will forever remain a very very important part of my life you know I hope I hope I can always stay proud of it I think I will but um but yeah it, it it's something that will has already opened up so many doors for me and already affected my my life personal life and career in so many ways that um that yeah it's like thank you <laughs> Those were the words of filmmaker Mike Jacobs speaking about his debut feature documentary, Audience of One. To learn more about the film, please Google it. Next week on the show, we have a very special program, an interview with journalist Pico Iyer, who has known the Dalai Lama for over 30 years and has written extensively about the spiritual leader and has also traveled the world and written extensively about where he's visited. My name is Sani Katanjian. This is Sight Unseen. You're listening to Resonance 104.4 FM. The UK's first radio art station.